Side Hustle Show 321, hosting trivia nights for fun and profit. This is how to turn useless knowledge into real dollars. What's up? What's up, Nick? Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because building extra income, no matter how small, is never a trivial matter. That is, unless your business is trivia. I'm a bit of a trivia nerd. So this week's show was especially interesting to put together. Basically, how you can make money hosting trivia nights at local restaurants and bars. To help me walk through how this business works is probably the best qualified guy in the country to do so. Adam Johnston is the co-founder of Last Call Trivia, a business that started with just $300 and now powers trivia nights all around the country and provides tools for side hustlers to do the same at flex.lastcalltrivia.com. Over the last 10 years, Adam has managed to turn useless knowledge into a seven-figure operation. So stay tuned to learn how to pitch and price a trivia night, how to get a new venue off the ground, and what makes for a great game. Notes and links for this one, plus a full-text summary, are at sidehustlenation.com trivia. Now, there's nothing trivial about getting paid and keeping your books in order. To that end, I want to invite you to join the 24 million people who are using our sponsor, FreshBooks, to get less busy with their accounting and more effective. FreshBooks is the number one invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for side hustlers, freelancers, and consultants. It's simple, intuitive. I've been a customer for years, and Side Hustle Show listeners can try it free for 30 days, no catch, and no credit card required. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this call with Adam after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. I thought that we'd kick this one off with some trivia questions of your own. See if I can stump you. The category is Seattle. And so these are some Seattle trivia questions based on my hometown. Oh boy. My Seattle friends are going to hate me after this. I apologize in advance. <laughs> Question number one, when Seattleites comment, the mountain is out, to which mountain are they referring? The mountain is out. It sounds like a ski reference. Let's just go Rainier because that's the, probably the only mountain I could name. Ding, ding, ding. Mount Rainier is the correct answer. 14,000 feet and change to get up there. The mountain is out is Mount Rainier. All right, you're one for one. Take that riding team. This Seattle band, this is question number two. This Seattle band is best known for their hit Float On. Oh, geez. Gosh, I don't know. I really have no idea. I couldn't even name you a Seattle band. <laughs> I know Macklemore's out of there, but I know that's not it. I'm going to go with Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it is not Macklemore. It is Modest Mouse. Oh, geez. Which apparently they've moved to Portland, according to Wikipedia, but Seattle roots for Modest Mouse. Right, okay. And question number three, this is a 50-50 one. The richest person in the world, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos? Bezos. Bezos is correct, according to Forbes. Yeah, Amazon's out of Seattle, right? Yes, both Amazon and Microsoft out of Seattle. According to Forbes 2018, it's Bezos now by about $20 billion. That's the power of Amazon, as we've seen, especially over the last several years, lots of Amazon-related businesses on the Side Hustle Show. But let's dive in to the trivia business itself. Take me back <laughs> 10 years, time travel a little bit. Where'd the idea for hosting these trivia nights come from? Oh, goodness. Well, let's do time travel. Let's go back a few decades. Trivia night pub quiz started in the United Kingdom in the 70s, and it became a significant part of British culture. And I think that it came over to the, the States in about the 80s, 
and it's been growing steadily since we've done about a few thousand, not us as last call, but there's about a few thousand shows in the States at this time. And there's tens of thousands in the United Kingdom. So that shows you the opportunity that we have for growth in this country. We were first introduced to it in Charleston. Like you said, we were bartending and we wanted, we were budding entrepreneurs and we were playing trivia with our friends and we kept playing. One night we just looked at each other and we said, man, we can do this and we can do it better. And we were from Cincinnati and we knew that this wasn't a big thing in Cincinnati. So we just saw that opportunity and, and we ran with it. How does the business work? Like who pays you? Is it the restaurant or the players? The restaurant. So we solicit the bars and the idea is that we bring the people in, pack the house, they stay for two plus hours and they spend money eating and drinking. Bar makes a ton of money and they pay us a fee to come in and do it. It is completely free for the players and that's that's a very important thing. I mean, there are good opportunities for bars or events to do paid shows where you come in and your team pays an amount and you can either take part of the pot, kind of like split the pot kind of thing, or it goes part of it goes to charity, whatever. Those shows are fun, but the concept is is free. You come stumble into one bar and stay for the trivia. Okay, fair enough. So you you approach the bar and say, okay, for X dollars, we will host this show. We'll help you market it. And people are going to hang out and eat food and drink lots of beer. Absolutely. Okay. Do you mind sharing what that dollar amount is or how that's maybe changed over time? Yeah, sure. So when we started the companies back in 2007, and it was right when the recession started. So the bar industry is recession proof. And the joke is that if times are good, you're drinking, partying. If times are bad, you're drinking. But we found that that's not the case. Bars might be the last one to go in a recession or depression, but they're definitely affected. So we started out at 175. And then because of the recession, had to drop it to get certain bars and we rolled with the times. And then there's other ways you can lower your, your average price too. And that's multi-venue discounts. So if Nick's bar on the east side wants trivia and you're willing to do it on your bar on the west side as well, we'll give you a discounted rate to do both of those or a multi-show in a week. So if, if Nick's bar wants to do it on Tuesdays and Saturdays, and when they start, because Saturday people are already in there, they're seeing trivia night, they're experiencing it. They're like, wow, this is cool. And then they can come out on Tuesdays. Gotcha, gotcha. Is it something you try and do just once a week, typically? No, it really. We're trying to get in as many nights as we can. I think bars just want to switch it up and they want to try different things. But Trivia Night works and they see it. And something we can talk about later is the, the other supplemental products that we've tried in the past and that we currently have. And those are good compliments because you've got a Trivia Night on one night and then you've got a product that is still kind of a Trivia Night, but it's not the traditional Trivia where you ask general knowledge questions and there is a right and wrong answer. There's other formats where you don't have to know the capital of Norway. Oslo. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> nope. Dang it. Um, Nick, I was going to, I was going to ask you a tougher question than that. <laughs> you were in I'm sure. Well, yeah, I, there's, I'm sure you'll find tons that I don't know. Okay. So starting at 175 bucks, plus or minus different discounts and how you want to structure the different packages, but that gives us a ballpark. So thank you for sharing that. And typical length of the show, hour, two hours, what are we talking about? Oh, two hours. And the idea is you want to keep people in the butts in the seats eating and drinking. So the bar makes as much money as possible. But once you get above that two hour mark, then people start to get antsy. You want the show to move along. You want it to be good and social and, and they get their trivia fix and then they, they go home. But the thing is, Nick, you can, you can get as much as you can for these trivia nights. Because if you go in and give a custom show, if you really get to know the, the bar patrons and learn about the demographics and what they want in a show, and then you can go in and tailor the questions to that bar, they're going to come in every time. They're going to stay for a long time. You're going to pack the house. 
If you think about bars making hundreds or thousands of dollars in a night, so look at it this way. Look at it. I like to use a multiplying factor of 120. Okay. If you've got 20 teams and six players per team, that's a, a factor of 120 per dollar spent. And if they're staying for two and a half hours, two plus hours, and they're spending money eating and drinking, let's say it's 20 plus dollars. I mean, they're making thousands of dollars that night on a night, which normally would not be busy because you do trivia nights on slower nights, like Tuesdays, Wednesdays. So you can easily get 200 bucks. Yeah, that's an interesting way to frame it. So what's it worth to the venue and kind of work backwards from that? It, it sounds like an interesting side hustle because you're like, well, I got to do it in the evenings anyways. I'm going to do it after work anyways, because that's when people are out at the bar. You're exactly right. And it's such a low barrier to entry. Tell me about finding your first customers, your first venues. What was that pitch like? And was it hard to get somebody to sign up for this? Well, we did preview shows because we knew Cincinnati. We brought all of our friends and family, invited them to two different preview shows in one week. So we came up from Charleston and we invited local business owners, bar owners to come out and, and check us out. So we did these preview shows and the place was packed. We had a great time. It showed proof of concept and we signed one on there. We might've been talking to some other ones from there, but we signed one almost immediately. I think that night and that show Champions Grill is still going strong after 11 years. Wow. That's awesome. So they're, they're committed to it. Oh yeah. And then after that, we got really lucky because I went after Applebee's. I thought about the chains and, and how we can get multi-venue contracts. So I reached out to the, the regional marketing director for an Applebee's and she loved the idea and she gave us 10 venue contract right away. So we were kind of off to the races there. The funny part about that is that Applebee's corporate is net 30, which means that we do the work and we bill immediately and thir within 30 days, they send the check. So Joe Schmo, accountant for Applebee's, whenever he decides to cut this check is when we get the money. We started this company on a $5,000 credit card of mine and we had no money. So I'm waiting by the mailbox every single day for the mailman to come. And when we would get that check every month, I'd run down to the bank and cash it. Well, good on you for going big right away and going after like this chain restaurant. Going back, I probably wouldn't have done that just because of that. You don't want to run out of money too early. Whereas the other venues are just paying you cash out of the till. Yeah, most of them pay cash or check. There's very few that want to do net 30, but sometimes it's just a necessity. Yeah. Do you have it structured such that, okay, we're going to come back every Tuesday and do this? So it's kind of like a weekly subscription service? So that's the idea. It's a weekly event. Then that's how you build your network. That's how you build the show to packing the house on a Tuesday night. Because if you did it sporadically, and this is very important, if you do it sporadically, it the crowd doesn't, they get disinterested. Because they don't know when you're going to do it. And especially if you make the mistake. And it, sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes the bar just says, nope, we've got football on tonight. And there's a special game we want to see. Or there's a private event in the place. So we're going to cancel last minute. And that really hits the teams who have cleared their schedule and not taken up other opportunities. And now they're home with no trivia. Or they're going to a different show and then you lose out on that. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. You know, trivia nights actually seem like a pretty popular thing here. But obviously you're still growing, still expanding. Are there bars out there that haven't tried this yet? Yeah. Trivia nights are primarily in college towns and major metropolitan areas, but there's tons of bars in between. And it's not fair to those who don't have a company that can service them or if no one takes the initiative in that area to do a good trivia night, right? So there's a ton of bars out there that do it already, but there's always room for improvement. We need to increase the average production value across the country. But then there's bars who have done it before and they've been burned or they currently have bad trivia shows. And those would otherwise be set up for good trivia nights. So that, that what stinks is we'll go 
talk to a bar rep and they'll say, yeah, we tried it. Not interested. And we're like, oh no, but you don't understand, you know? So they got burned and it's just unfortunate. Or there's the example of a sports bar who has a certain type of demographic and they might love trivia, but they like sports and pop culture and they don't necessarily want a general knowledge show. And by general knowledge in our industry, that term is multiple categories that are across the board and the varying difficulty levels throughout a show. So you'll do everything from sports to Russian literature. And the thing is that sports bar example, they probably don't care about Russian literature or government or science or whatever. And that's stereotypical. But my point is that there's different types of bars that have different demographics and one show does not fit all. And that's what's cool about doing your own side hustling, putting your own show together because you're the one that can handle the demographics of that bar and the questions that go along with it. Okay. So that's one way to overcome that objection is like, (laughs) we don't want to answer the Russian literature question, but if you have sports trivia, that fits with our demographic pretty well. Nick, no one does. Russian literature. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know that stuff. (laughs) The death of Ivan Ilyich is like, well, spoiler alert, he dies. (laughs) Hey, entrepreneurs. We know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards work trips, client meetings, industry conferences. With Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so that's one way to overcome the objection. But what do you what do you say to the guy who is like, yeah, we tried it a couple of years ago. It didn't work. The crowd wasn't into it. We never we, we never saw a return. We never saw the customers come in. How do you overcome that? For us now, it's different because we have been so successful. So the easy thing is to say, you haven't done us. You haven't tried our trivia yet. But the first thing I would do, especially for side hustlers, is you build great relationships with clients. And then you use those as references. So you go into the bar and the example you gave, oh, I've tried it two years ago, wasn't interested. Well, sir, come check my show out on Wednesday. I'll buy you a beer. 
and we'll talk and I'll show you what I can do for your bar. You can't beat that. Invite them out. We've done that a lot. They don't always come. (laughs) They frequently don't come, but the ones that do, those are already hot leads. Okay. You found primarily the best sales are in person, like going up and trying to find the bar manager while they're working? Oh, that's tough because bar owners are quintessentially the busiest people on the planet. They're always running around like a chicken with their head cut off. It's hard to, to lock them down and get them to sit down and talk to you. If you can, it's great. The problem is that they'll say, well, I have to go and talk to my business partner or let me think about it. And then it's just, it's sales. You got to go, you got to keep, keep on them, keep showing them what the benefits to it. But definitely in person, you want to create that connection, show them who you are and that you're legit and that you're really invested in their success. Okay. Have you found other effective ways to reach those decision makers? I imagine, yeah, you're walking in, it's noisy, it's loud, it's crowded. And the guy's like, dude, I'm working, I'm busy right now. Yes. Talking to the bartenders and servers and the manager. You want to know who the decision maker is, but you also want to make friends with everyone else around because the bartender wants people in there. The server wants a packed house. They're going to make more money. So they're going to be for anything that brings people in and keeps the tables turning, right? Now, you're not turning tables in that two hours, but on a Tuesday night when no one's in there, you're you're destroying it and you're making a ton of money. So if you can get them on board and get them to talk to the owner, that's one of the best ways to do it. Yeah, they kind of advocate on your behalf. Absolutely. Okay, so let's say you you ink this deal, or at least they agree to maybe a, a month-long trial run or something. You've invited your friends and family to this preview show. What happens the next week after the friends and family are like, yeah, I'm not coming back again? And you're like, I know I got to fill the seats and deliver on my promise. <laughs> the far the preview show, that's just showing people what you can. You're making proof of concept there. But when you sign on a bar, you walk in, you say, hey, I'm going to kill this for you. But you have to understand that it's, it's a process. It's going to take a few weeks. I'm going to invite my friends and family out the first week or two. But there's going to be a building process. And that is one piece of advice I can give. We've done venue contracts with clients. And it's as simple as you're going to give us six weeks to show the growth over that time. Because we can't come out and pack a house every time and every show we do in every new venue. It's a process it takes to build a show responsibly. So for the side hustle, let's talk about that. So if you're starting and trying to sell, you can start with the network you've got. Do you know anyone who knows anyone who knows anyone who owns a bar? You can go to the bars you frequent. You can go to the bar down the block where you know everyone, you know the bartender, the servers. I'd start at the best bars in town. They've got something figured out, obviously. Bars with an eclectic crowd. They've got diverse interests that equate to successful general knowledge shows. So I'd start there. But one thing I would definitely do is when you have a client that's about to start out, so you're going to go and you're going to put your promo materials up. You can put some at the bar. You can put them in the bathrooms above the urinals and stalls. But I would go in and have a beer with the bartender and call some of the servers over and say, hey, guys, I'm coming in here. In two weeks, we're going to start Trivia Night on Tuesdays. And this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm committed to building this show so you guys are packed on Tuesday nights. Here's how you can help. Okay, Servers, when you go to your table... Tell them about trivia night. Ask them trivia questions. See if they know anything. If Do they know anyone who knows anyone? Get them engaged. Bartenders, same thing. You can even pass out little flyers or check presenters. They have little flyers that go in the check presenters. So when everyone gets their check, they've also got a flyer for trivia. That makes sense. And the servers are on board with that because hopefully it's going to make a less busy night busier for them. Yes. Okay. So you mentioned kind of the startup costs on the credit card. What do I need to go and make this show happen for show number one or, or to see if this is even something that I like to do. Right. There's three really cool things about a trivia night. It's the earning potential, the good money, 
you're going to make in the recurring income every week, there's a scalability. You can go from one show a week to a hundred a week if you want to make it a big business and the low barrier to entry. And that's the thing. It's, you need sound equipment. You need to put together, ultimately you need to put together your questions. You need to have your materials, your, your paper materials, your pens, and your sound equipment to do the show. It's such a low barrier to entry. A basic set of sound equipment. It's in the $300 range. You don't want to go for the cheapest one because it's not going to have the best quality. And it's also not going to have the best range. The sets that we use usually have two speakers. And I would suggest that because you can angle the speakers so that they don't have to blare in one person's ear or they can hit different parts of the room that you're in. But it'll be speakers, mixer, microphone, and cords with that. Amazon is your friend for this stuff. Yeah, right, right. And you don't even need sound equipment, really, because you can go find a venue that already has a house system. And that's going to be better sound anyway. So if you didn't want to deal with equipment, you can just go find that you'll be limited to those particular venues. Okay, I was going to ask about that. Like if you prefer this portable setup because you're kind of removing some some unknowns from the equation or if you can just plug into an existing system. You can absolutely plug in. And some bars would want you to because they know how that works. They don't have to worry about you bringing equipment in and something going wrong or whatever. But in addition to equipment, you'll also need a laptop to keep score because we built a an Excel spreadsheet for you to keep score really easily. It just goes right right along with the show. But you don't have to have a laptop. You can use the paper version to keep score, which is what I still use this day when I host. And then you need music to play, and you can get that off your phone or an iPod if those are still around. And then you need the paper materials, which are the, the game sheets and the little answer slips that people write their answers down on. And then pens, pencils, writing utensils. And you can go scrounge a bunch up in your house or your buddy's house, just stick them in a bag, and you can use that. So the upfront cost is really low. It's time, it's putting in the show and building your trivia database, the content for it. And that can, that's definitely the toughest barrier to entry. So yeah, for starting out, you could do this really low overhead. Yeah, if you're tapping into the existing sound system at the venue, but then it's a matter of coming up with questions. So is it just like, I'm going to raid the box of Trivial Pursuit that's been collecting dust in the closet and just bring in a stack of these cards? Or is that going to look... <laughs> You're like, come on, guy, to the patrons. Right, yeah, you'll be that guy. They can do that at home. So really, why come to the bar if, if they can do that at home? It's like playing trivia on your phone. That's fun, but it's not. People are coming to this bar because it's a social event. It's, it's not a test. The thing about the pub quiz format, there's so many questions. There's 15 questions in one round, and there's six plus rounds, and you have to answer all of them together. And the way we designed our system is as a social event. So the host asks a question and then plays a song on the iPod or, or iPhone on your laptop. And the teams have the duration of that song to think about the question, write it down on one of the little slips and then take it up to the host and the host keeps score. So it's more, you get to sit down and play trivia that you love. And you also get to talk to your friends. You get to ask your mom how radiation's going and you get to talk to your buddy and about his schoolwork you really get to make those connections or you get to meet someone you don't even know. That's one of the cool things about what we've done. An interesting story is that we've had proposals at our shows. We've had marriages because of it. We've had babies made from people meeting at shows and also hosting for us. So it's been, it's been really cool. Okay. Yeah. That was actually later on my list of like, what were some crazy stories from hanging out in bars for all these years, but people getting married and, and having kids together. That's, <laughs> I'd say that's up there. Anything else come to mind? We've had the lights go out, like power outages. So the show must go on, right? So we, we yell the questions and we have candle lit, candles lit. We've done that before. Actually, there's a really good story. We've, we've had a woman who's played in Cincinnati. She doesn't live there anymore, but she had multiple sclerosis. 
And her doctor, she started seeing improvements and her doctor told her it was because she was going to trivia night every week and continuing to use that aspect of her brain. That is crazy. Yeah, I believe there's something to that. It's a muscle like anything else. If you don't use it, it's going to atrophy. So going back to coming up with questions, I know that's a service that Last Call offers to would-be hosts now, but since you didn't have that when you were starting out, how did you come up with your, your question bank? Oh, geez. Well, that's not my wheelhouse, as evident in the Seattle the Seattle debacle earlier. Hey, you were two out of three. That's not bad. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. Well, yeah, I really am the detriment. We go out and play trivia, and I'm that guy that talks everyone out of the right answer. Not because I think something's right. I'm just trying to get conversation started, and then I'm that guy. So, no, my business partner is the one who's in charge of all of our questions. Starting out, we would do anything we can to get questions. and We had to put a ton of time into it at the beginning because we knew that questions were paramount. We knew that they couldn't be too easy, too hard. They had to be accurate, relevant, fun, unambiguous. And that's important because if a team hears a question the way it's worded, you can hear it incorrectly. You're out, you are at a bar, you are drinking. There's, there's always that. But if the question is not worded properly, it can insinuate something different. And then the person ends up getting it wrong or the team gets it wrong. And then they're upset about it because they feel like they were, they were hoodwinked. And that's not fair. So that's very important. And, you know, we had to do it every week, every week, week after week without repeating questions. You know, so we've got, I mean, this is not me, this is the writing team, but we've got calendars and documents that are breaking down all the questions, the categories we're using every single day and all the shows to make sure that we're not using too many sports categories in our final questions in, in a week. That's really specific. Side hustlers don't have to terribly worry about that because they're going to be able to tailor the things towards their crowd. Yeah, no, no repeats. I imagine that gets harder and harder to do the longer, the longer that you play or the longer that you host. Yeah, but you know, at this point, we've been hiring writers, part-time writers from around the world. So we've got this influx of trivia questions from people who really care about trivia, who we've trained to write in our voice. And what I mean by our voice is you can ask a question like, who was the first president of the United States? Okay, it's a very straightforward question. Everyone knows the answer. At least I hope if you're playing trivia, you do. But I'll give you an example of a question here. So it's a music. Actually, I'll ask you. I'll let you, I'll let you play. Okay. Okay. Categories music. The lyrics of what one-time number one song on the UK singles chart do not contain its own song title, but do contain the title of the subsequent number one song by ABBA. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, the answer is Bohemian Rhapsody because... Mamma Mia was the ABBA song that hit number one. And they say Mamma Mia a ton in that song. So that's our voice. That's our style because you don't have to actually know it, but you, if it's multi-leveled, multi-layered. Yeah, you can piece it together. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Process of elimination makes a really good trivia question. And then you give people three minutes to think about it while you're playing the song. Yes. And you've got a team of people who have different ideas and different, so you're collaborating. An another example of that, as far as the process of elimination goes, Here's a Washington question. Flags. Washington is the only U.S. state that has a flag that is primarily what color? Green. Green, right. So the process of elimination, you know New Mexico's is yellow. You know blue. Everyone's is blue. And red, no, you get the point. So process of elimination makes a good trivia question. You want the shows overall to be easier and fun, not too easy. You want to err on the side of fun. You want people to complain if they're going to complain about the shows being too easy rather than the shows being too difficult. Okay, fair enough. Tell me about scaling this thing because it sounds like it took off pretty quickly with this Applebee's contract and you guys went you guys went all in with it. 
tell me about it becoming a full-time focus for you or at what point you're like, this is going to have some staying power. Right. So we were all in immediately because we saw how lucrative it could be. And so we got back to Cincinnati and got it going. We were doing all the soliciting of bars, finding local entertainers to host these shows for us. And then when we wanted to scale, our scaling model was to move to major metropolitan areas that we thought would be good for trivia and set up branches there. So we hired a manager, our first employee, to manage the Cincinnati area. And then we repeated that process. The, my business partner and I would love traveling. We just started going to these different areas and soliciting bars, finding local entertainers. And then at one point, probably three, four months into that process, we would move on and hire someone to manage that area for us. So that went on for a while kept moving around and kept, but we were building this really bloated team across the country because we've had all these employees who were, were trying to get remotely to build our, our brand and build our network in those areas. It just got really difficult. So as far as scaling goes, we got to the point where if we want to get into every bar in America, we have to find a different way. We don't have feet on the ground in every bar in America. We can't. So how do you do it? And that's when we developed the platform, the Flex platform, that gives the bars and side hustlers the ability to do their own successful trivia night. So we took everything that we had that was really good and packaged it all into this online platform and gave it to them. So what we sell basically is convenience. So you talk about the low barrier to entry. You can go get your equipment. That stuff's so easy. And it's going to be paid off so quickly anyway, even if you go out and buy equipment, right? But what's tedious, like you want to spend time building your business, like all side hustles do. We need time to grow and then also educate ourselves. We need time for that as well. And if you're side hustling, you've got a full-time gig still probably. Me, I used to do like multiple part-time gigs just to keep it going. The hardest part is finding that time to do what we talked about with the questions, which is find questions that are not too easy, not too hard, relevant, fun, and be able to do that week after week and not get burnt out and have the time for other things. So this platform, we have all of our trivia questions from 11 years, not all of them, most of them, in this database, and they're tagged with difficulty levels, categories, keywords, changeability factors. So for instance, if a World Series question, we check all of our World Series questions every October because a World Series coming up, like right now, it could change a particular question that we have in there. So we go, we're constantly checking these things of our, our writing team. We have that database and we have the show and the system and the style format that we've developed that is so successful for us. And that's what we're just giving. And people are basically just paying a subscription fee for the access to our show builder in our database. And the convenience. Yeah, so it's not quite a franchise model, but it's similar where it's like, okay, look, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. We've kind of done a lot, done a lot of this legwork for you. So there's that angle, the business builder angle, where you're kind of primarily in a sales role of signing up new venues. And there's kind of the freelance role that you alluded to was like, okay, we're hiring local entertainers to host these nights for us because we can't be in every bar at once. Right. Oh, and something from before, a sliding scale is a really good tool when you're starting out getting clients because it shows that you're invested in the success of their show and you're not just going to come in guns blazing and saying, hey, I'm charging my top rate and you're going to give me some time to build it and then you're good. You work with them. So a sliding scale example could be the six-week contract. I'm going to come in the first week and it's going to be for 100 bucks. Next week, 110, 125, 150, 175, 200, and then I'm going to show you what I can do for you. That's a great tool. Yeah. Do you ever do it on a performance basis? Like, hey, I want a cut of the check from these six tables? I've heard of other trivia companies doing that. We cannot do that because what we found is that bars don't want to be honest with how much they've made, or they'll say that between this time frame, 
we made this much money, but it wasn't because of Trivia Night. We already had some people in here playing pool. Part of that's from that. You don't want to negotiate with bar owners. You want to go in, you want to say, this is what I'm worth. You're going to pay me or I'm going to find the bar across the street that's going to do it because I'm going to kill this. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's a lot harder to track versus say just, here's my upfront fee. What you can do is you can structure it. You can say, well, we're going to have performance levels. So basically, it's not my job to get them to buy food and drink. My job is to bring people in the bar, which ultimately it is. You have nothing to do with food and drink unless you're on the the mic, which is a good idea, giving specials and reminding people to grab around a shots or something. But you can do performance-based where once I'm filling this many seats or this many tables, this many teams, whatever it is, my rate's going to increase that way. We have not tried that, but that is something you can do. Okay. Are you doing prizes for like the winning team or is it just there's a pitcher on the house or how does it work? So the the house does bar tabs. So when you're talking to a bar owner, the way it's structured is you're going to you're going to pay me to come in and do this, but I'm coming in to fill the seats. You guys, since you're in charge of the food and drink, you guys are going to give bar tabs to the winning the winning team. So it can be first, second, third. The best are 50, 25 and 10 for first, second, third. But I think most bars do 30, 20 and 10, which it's really not so much about the money that you're getting because split between six people, it's not much anyway. It's more the glory, but it's also a way because you the bar tab is good for the day after trivia night, which you earned it. So it brings them back next week for trivia. Okay. A little bounce back. Okay. Got it. <laughs> right. Any other logistics to consider if I'm thinking about going out and pounding the pavement to, to see if I can sign up my first client here? Yes. Remember that it's a social game. You want to keep people off technology and engage with their friends for a couple hours. Trivia nights build relationships. We talked about proposals and marriages and things. You never know who you're going to meet there. And that's what's important because anyone can sit at home and play whip out their box of Trivial Pursuit and look at those cards or play Trivia Crack or whatever it is. Another thing, question accuracy. We've talked about it already, but it's paramount. If you're going to do your own questions, you have to research the heck out of them. Err on the side of fun, that's another one. Something that's not immediately Googleable, like your Bohemian Rhapsody question, because I imagine, yeah, people are going to be cheating on their phones and under the table. That's another one. Logistically, you need to make sure in order to keep the game fun, you need to keep it fair. And that's watching for people having their phones out. But one thing that we've kind of pushed with teams is when you're at trivia night, everyone stacks their phone in the middle of the table. I've even done it with my group of friends before where the first one to touch the phone buys around. I like that. I like that rule. I like that rule. What's next? So you mentioned we've got this goal of getting in every bar in America. What's next for Last Call? So we're going to continue to support and cultivate our side hustlers and our bar clients. We're going to keep building content, better trivia nights across the country, no matter, no matter who it is. I'm on this focus kick. We we're prioritizing, we're focusing, and we're trimming the fat. And it's actually one of our core values is avoid trivial pursuits. So when I looked at all the products we've been doing, we were spreading ourselves too thin. And what we needed to do was focus on our bread and butter, which is trivia nights, right? Down the road, we want to get into do some trivia apps similar to Trivia Cracker, HQ Trivia. We're really big into Alzheimer's. That's another one. We have the walk coming up in Cincinnati here this weekend. And we raise money every year in different fo- in different fashions for dementia and Alzheimer's. That's really d- near and dear to us. We want to get more into that. We've got some exciting things. Lots of stuff going on. Lastcalltrivia.com. You can check Adam's business out over there and flex.lastcalltrivia.com. If you're thinking, hey, this might be a cool side hustle for me. Definitely got my gears spinning. I love trivia. So I'm <laughs> thinking of, you know, I got a couple young kids. I'm not usually hanging out at the bars middle of the week, but I think it's an interesting business for sure. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Prioritize, focus, and surround yourself with people who make deliberate choices. And then go change the world.
Makes for good trivia. <laughs> Go change someone. Makes for good trivia. Absolutely. I love it. Adam, thank you so much. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Nick. What would it look like if it were easy? That's a question I've been pondering a bit lately, something I picked up from Tim Ferriss. For whatever challenges you're facing, what would this look like if it were easy? Now, one challenge I know a lot of entrepreneurs face is bookkeeping and accounting, especially this time of year, but there is an easy button, and that's where our sponsor, FreshBooks.com, comes in. FreshBooks is the award-winning cloud-based invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for small business owners, freelancers, and side hustlers like us. This is the service I rely on when I need to invoice clients or advertisers, and it's guaranteed to keep you way more organized than that proverbial shoebox filled with receipts. Now's the perfect time to get your financial systems in order on both the revenue and expense side of the business. FreshBooks has got some cool tools built in for both of those. And the best part is Side Hustle Show listeners can try FreshBooks free for 30 days with no catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. ANDS.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. All right, my top three takeaways from this call with Adam. Number one is remember what you're really selling. You're really selling incremental revenue for the venue. That means knowing a bar's weekly entertainment lineup before soliciting. That means setting your customers up for success. And when it works, it's a recurring revenue stream because they're likely to keep you coming back if they're making money off you. Takeaway number two is to find the decision makers, but before you do that, get other key players on board. Adam described enlisting the bartenders and the waitstaff to help promote your shows because it's really in their best interest too, but even just talking to them before approaching the owner or manager can help you get a sense for the priorities, the feel for the venue, and how you might structure your pitch. Plus, bar owners know other bar owners and they want their friends to be successful, and that word of mouth, positive or negative, can spread fast. That's takeaway number two, find the decision makers. And takeaway number three is it's entertainment. As the host, you got to find a way to make it a fun way to spend an evening to keep people coming back. That's something we didn't give a ton of attention to in the call, but the trivia questions are only a part of that. It's the music, it's the banter in between, it's building relationships with the staff and the regular players. It's a show And if you visit Last Call Trivia, they recognize that. So there's a little more production that goes into it than just like we talked about reading the Trivial Pursuit cards. That's takeaway number three. It's entertainment. Lots of moving parts to this business from 
signing venues, to filling the house, to coming up with the questions, to hosting great shows, but definitely a side hustle that appeals to the trivia nerd in me in a great part-time gig, since these are almost always happening in the evenings after work. Again, check out flex.lastcalltrivia.com for some cool resources to help you get started. And if you visit lastcalltrivia.com, there's, if you don't want to do the whole solo thing, there's opportunities to apply to be a host for one of their existing shows as well. Now, fun fact, I made it into the hot seat at the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire at MGM Studios in Orlando. Gosh, this was probably 15 years ago. But the top prize was a free Disney cruise. And I was actually getting really close. I made it 10 questions deep into this game before I got some 80s music question wrong. That's what I get for trusting the audience. But it was a ton of fun. It was raining at the park that day. So Brynn and I played a lot of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Once again, you'll find the full text summary of this episode, plus links to all the resources mentioned at SideHustleNation.com slash trivia. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.